Welcome to the Inspire Church podcast. We hope this message will equip and empower you to reach your God-given potential. Inspire Church is all about loving God, loving people, and inspiring our world. Visit inspirechurch.com.au for more information. And you can go with me to 2 Kings 13 and verse 20. Who loves unusual scriptures? You know, I'm from Lighthouse. Uh, I've been the senior pastor of Lighthouse for about 17 years. I've been in Lighthouse since I was 11 years of age. been trying to escape for years and years and years, and I'm still there. And uh, one of the things about Lighthouse, uh, our tagline is, Lighthouse, a different light. And that's my responsibility because I think a bit weirdly. I think differently. I think strangely even about scriptures. I think I've been around church so long that I just was smart enough to ask questions about the way we've always done it and asked, I constantly asked myself and our church, is there another way we could think about what we've been doing for so long? So I'm going to read a scripture to this morning that is strange and it is unusual, but nonetheless, God is wanting to say something to us. Verse 20, then Elisha died and was buried Groups of Moabite raiders used to invade the land each spring. Once, when some Israelites were burying a man, they spied a band of these raiders, so they hastily threw the corpse into the tomb of Elisha and fled. But as soon as the body touched Elisha's bones, the dead man revived and jumped to his feet. How weird is that? That's weird, right? That's weird that there's still power in a man's bones enough that years later, somebody dead on him, comes to life and walks out of his own funeral in that place. What kind of picture is that? I want you to know that God speaks to us through pictures. In fact, when we're thinking about Monday, how important Monday is, let me suggest to you that God is using on your Mondays things that you already see to teach you about things you don't yet understand. Yeah, that's how God talks to you. So God is using what you know what you see, what you're used to, to communicate to you things that you don't yet know. If you could just go to work knowing that Ephesians 2.10 is true, that God has gone ahead of you to prepare good things for you to do. They're already there, but unless you live intentionally, you don't know that those things exist. So here's a weird thing. A guy comes to life once he drops dead himself on Elisha's bones. But let me give you some context because I think this morning, most people are going to preach it this way, that you should live so full of life that when you die, if somebody dropped on your bones, they'd come to life. That would preach. I could preach that. I'll find a way to preach that. But actually, I want to suggest it's something different. I want to suggest to you that there was a problem with Elijah because God gave him power to use on earth, but he still went to the grave with some of what was on him, in him, and he should have got it out of him. I want to speak to you today about how you should live full, but die empty. Some of you want to hear live full and live uh, live full and die full. No, no. You ought to live full and get out of you what's in you so that when you go to the grave, if somebody dead drops on you, they just stay dead. <laughs> no, well, he didn't take it to heaven with him. It's, it was no good up there. He doesn't need it. What he had on him was meant for earth. They were in a time when 
their city was led by a guy called King Jehoash. I like to call him King Doofus. (laughs) King Stupid. Because if he was a good king, he would have protected his people who every year, not just one year, mind you, but every year, like, like on the calendar, like, just like when you know spring's coming on a certain date, you knew it was the certain time of year because the Moabites showed up and slaughtered everybody year after year after year. If he was a good king, he would have raised up an army and protected his people, but he didn't do it. But I suspect if, he could, if, if Elisha could have got out of him what was in him into the king, and we'll see later how he tried, if he could have got out, that generation could have benefited and the next generation could have benefited the power. I want to say to you, there's something in your life that you've got to get it out. It's on you and the next generation need it. And we don't want you, the message today is not get as much as you can and die happy. The message is, whatever is on you, let's find a way to push it out into the next generation so that we steward the power of God for a generation that we know is going to need it even more than we did. Elisha died before he got empty. And my goal is to live in such a way that I am empty when I go to the grave. That, you, that there is nothing more that you can get out of me. I know it would be easier to preach, live full, die full. But I want to say to you today, we are not here to get more information, more gifts on top of the already current gifts and talents we have. You don't need more anointing. You don't need to get to that conference to hear that person. Hey, you know, your hope is I could just brush Pastor Paul's leg this morning and get a little bit of what's on his life. We could just, if you could, you know, and if you were in the front crop lows, you could just spit on me. Get a little bit of his anointed saliva. If I could just get that. And then we have this mentality, if we can just get to that, just do that. If I could have some of them, he could. And, and, but I'm telling you, already have what you need to go into this world. Have you ever wondered why all that possibility was locked up in Elisha's bones? I mean, he was in heaven. But what he was given was meant for earth and what you have was not meant for heaven. You don't need more of heaven. You'll get heaven. What you have in you is meant for earth. And I'm going to teach you today that what you have is enough. And actually the destination of fullness is not more fullness, it's emptiness. In fact, God is drawn to emptiness. The Bible says in Genesis that when the earth was empty and void, that the Holy Spirit hovered over it. And as it hovered over, God began to speak things into being. Did you know in this city, in the nations you're about to hear from your pastor, where you are going in and it looks empty, in places in the city of brokenness and emptiness, the Holy Spirit is already there hovering over it. That's what I've found. In 2 Kings 4, verse 1, let me read it to you. There's a great story. That's not how you think. One day the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out, My husband who served you is dead. And you know how he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come threatening to take my two sons as slaves. What can I do to help you? Elisha asked. Tell me what you do. What do you have in the house? It's a good question today. Missions. What do we have in the house today? 
it can feel like not much. In fact, this is her answer. She says, oh, I have nothing at all. That's not true, though, because she goes on to say, except a flask of olive oil. Sounds like nothing, but she's got something. She replied, and Elisha said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors, and then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it is filled. Verse 5, so she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her, and she filled one after the other. Soon every container was full to the brink. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her, and the olive oil stopped flowing. See, here's what you think. You think today, most Christians think, I wasn't just thirsty, I actually got to do something. Most of you think, if I could just get some more, I'd be able to do something. And you look at yourself and you say, well, that's not enough. How could I ever make a difference? So I'll just go to another conference here, another message, touch Paul's shirt, get his saliva. And I'll just, if I could just get a bit more, that wasn't good enough. I'm going to need another Sunday. John's going to need to preach that a second time. And if I could just get a bit more, a bit more. And you're constantly thinking, I'll do something if I'm full. But God's not looking for that. He's looking for this he don't want your fullness he don't need your fullness should I some of you are waiting to be full but you're already full God can't fit any more in and you won't get more until you empty yourself out. There are people you work with that don't need your fullness but desperately need your emptiness. And we have wrongly assumed that in order to reach this world we need more of something But quite frankly, when Jesus died on the cross, I received everything I need to reach the world. I grew up at Lighthouse, of course, I said that. I heard there was a mantra I would hear, and I'd do this respectfully, honestly. I get it, I want it, but it's confused us. Where we constantly talk about, I just want more of Jesus. Now, personally, I want more of Jesus, but I spend 80% of my life as a pastor in community spaces every week. I changed my job. So I'm in community. I'm the chaplain from an NBL basketball team. Spent a lot of time with really tall guys. And so here I am. I realized that actually when I give out to people, when I give of myself, it's only then that I receive things. But I find myself, did you know you can watch me? I have a TV ministry. You can watch me live on Fox Sport anytime NBL's on. You won't see me up front. I'm definitely not in the court, though I have dreams about it, playing. But you'll see me just behind the scene when they're going to a, a, a two-minute timeout. And I'm the guy that's picking up the towels off the floor. I've been doing it for 16 years. I'm picking the towels up off the floor. They're sweaty, by the way. Sweaty. They stink. And then they toss their water bottles at me. And I'm going to go fill them up. I pastor a large church, but for 16 years, I do it because we don't think it's much, but it is much. See, right now, I'm talking to the leadership team of that team. And while for years, I'm just wiping up sweat, right now, I'm, form, I'm part of a leadership team that will guide that team and the executive business group through to the future. It looks like nothing, but it's not nothing. 
God's not looking for your fullness. He's looking for your emptiness. The moment there was no more emptiness, the oil stopped flowing. We all want the Holy Spirit. We want his power. We want to experience it. But it's emptiness that brings it. I want to read to you in 2 Kings 13 this morning. Because this is on the eve of Elisha. On the eve of Elisha, he's about to die. And actually, Elisha meets with King Jehoash, Doofus, King Stupid. And he's trying to, you can tell as I read it, you watch. He's trying to get the last bit of what's in him into King Jehoash so those poor people will stop getting slaughtered. And he tries to prophetically speak something into his life. Watch this. When Elisha was in his last illness, King Jehoash of Israel visited him and wept over him. My father, my father, I see the chariots and charioteers of Israel. He cried. Elisha told him, get a bow, watch this, and some arrows. And the king did as he was told. And Elisha told him, put your hand on the bow. And Elisha laid his hands on the king's hands. He's trying to go somewhere with this. And then he, then he commanded, open the eastern window. And he opened it. And then he said, shoot. So he shot an arrow. Elisha proclaimed, this is the Lord's arrow, an arrow of victory over Aram. And you will completely conquer the Arameans at Aphek. And then he said, now pick up the other arrows, strike them against the ground. So the king picked them up and struck the ground three times. But the man of God was angry with him. You should have struck the ground five or six times, he exclaimed. And then you would have beaten Aram until it was entirely destroyed. Now you'll be victorious only three times. Here's what's happening. See, King Jehoash, because he's a bit thick, didn't recognize that what was happening to him as the hand was put on his hand to shoot the arrow, that, that Elisha was trying to pass over an anointing for victory. But see, Jehoash thinks that what he's asking him to do is a little embarrassing. He's got a bit nuts, lucky he's going to die. He's doing stupid things, he wants him to shoot arrows out into nothing, and apparently that's going to win the battle. But here's what happens. He thinks that when he grabs the arrows and he starts hitting the ground, in his mind he's thinking, this is so stupid. This, what does this mean? This is nothing. This is nothing. I can't believe he's asked me to do it. And because in his brain he thinks this is stupid and this is nothing, he doesn't realize that Elisha says, mate, I'm telling you, if you knew what was going on, if you knew what this meant, you would have whacked it seven or eight times. In fact, you would have kept whacking it because you would have got what I'm trying to do. I want to suggest to you today that what you have in your hand is not nothing, it's something. And you've got to stop saying to God, God, all I am is a tradesman. God, all I am is a nurse. God, all I am is in business. All I do is serve coffee. It's nothing, Lord. Stop mocking God. It's not what you do that makes you called. It's who called you that makes you called. Some of you just, even today, as John comes to share, he'll, when he comes to share and lists all the things that you're doing, some of you go, oh, I got nothing. I got nothing. I couldn't do it. You don't know, you don't know me. I couldn't, and I, I want you, you've got to fight it. You've got to say, don't you know that God is talking to you today and he's saying to you, what you have in your hand is not small, is not insignificant, is not nothing, it's something. You know, years ago when I was trying to teach my church the power of what they had in them, we had this idea 
Matthew 25, the parable of the talents. We did a thing called the kingdom assignment and I stood in front of my church. I got 50 $100 notes. I said, here's what I'm going to do today. We didn't rig it. You know, none of that church rigging. I said to my team, whoever puts their hand up in all our services, the first 50 people I'm going to give $100 to on three conditions. Number one, you, you treat it like God's money. Number two, you multiply it. So don't just give it to the first homeless person, but you multiply it in the community, something that keeps going and makes a difference. And number three, you come back in three months and you stand on this stage and you tell us what you did. Let me just tell you one story. Lady in our church, Angela, she's Greek. Really, all she could do, all she would say she had, all I've got, Lord, is she's a good cook. She's Greek, for crying out loud. I mean, you're born to cook when you're Greek. And so here's what she did. She decided that the local handicap facility, was it was going broke, couldn't pay its insurance bill. So she says, I'm going to take my $100, and I'm going to put on my big fat Greek dinner. That's what she called it after the movie. So she takes $100. She goes to the venue where she's going to hire it. She tells her story. And they say, listen, that's a fantastic story. We'll give you the venue for free. She goes to order all the food. She tells the people, uh, this is what I'm doing. This is why I'm doing it. The, the caterers say, don't you worry. We'll pay for it. Every person she goes to and she tells her story. She's just a cook. That's all she does. She tells her story. All of them say, don't worry. So she gets to the event. She charges $80 a head, invites the mayor and the CEO of that organization and all the disabled kids and their volunteers. I I was at the event. I sat next to the lady, Angela, the lady that owned it and the mayor. On that night, 100 people turned up, paid $80 a head. She had not only enough money to rescue the organization, she bought gifts for every volunteer and for every kid. And I sat on that table and the woman that owned the organization, she cried for three hours nonstop. She could not believe that somebody would do that. And I asked her, would you come? She's not a Christian. I said, would you come on Sunday and tell your story of how that impacted your life? And this woman, she stood on the stage, not a Christian. She grabbed the microphone. She said, here's what I know. I was brought up a Catholic. I'm just quoting her, so don't beat me down. I was brought up a Catholic, and it seems like all they ever did at the Catholic Church was introduce me to all of Jesus' relatives, but never him. Just quoting her. Don't be... I can... Some of you are looking at me harshly. She said, but on Friday night, when Angela hosted the dinner, for the first time in my life, I saw who Jesus really was. Now I'm telling you, I want you to know, what you have is not nothing. You know, the big lesson for our whole church in that moment was you don't need my money. You carry it around with you all the time. What you have is not meant to be kept. You're meant to empty yourself of it. You are not meant to, here we go, you are not meant to go to the grave with tens of thousands of dollars in your bank account. You're you're supposed to get it out of you for the kingdom of God. I know you don't believe me. So I'll give you one last example as we finish this morning. Jesus was the ultimate emptier. 
I, that picture of Jesus on the cross, he's been flogged within an inch of his life. To me, I would say you're, pretty, you're probably empty. You're probably given as much as you can. But what happens? The man next to Jesus starts confessing his sin. And Jesus, though he looks empty, gives the very last of himself. And he says, brother, I will remember you in paradise. Jesus is trying, he's on the cross and he's trying to empty himself of everything that was intended for earth. He don't want to take it with him. And then you think he's done. He's not done. Because in front of him, his mother and his favorite, John. And just when you think he's empty, he says, Hey, John, meet your mother. And in that moment, he's empty. He says, John, you need to look after my mom. She's yours now. Take care of her. And Jesus just pushes every bit of purpose out of his life until he could say, truly, it is finished. The goal for my life and I hope for yours today as you get rid of the accumulation, I need more, I can do it when I get this, uh, when seven unicorns with 10 angels fly down backwards, I'll recognize that's God's sign for me to give. If you could just, who's seen those by the way, anyone just quietly, nobody, thank God I'm in the right church. But you could say, this is not a, this is not a cute message. I am this message. I am the most accidental leader. I'm like a church kid who just, seriously, who just turned up to youth. Nobody's setting up the chairs. So for two years, I set up the chairs. I'm hanging around, do that. They've got no band. I happen to play drums. Our band for three years was me on drums. Have you ever just tried to sing to a drummer? But I'm just like, okay, yep. All right, well, we need a band to start with me. I play drums, away we go. And all through my life, all I've ever done is I've thought to myself, I don't really have enough to do this, but I'll just step up anyway. I'm going to take what I think I don't have and I'm going to give it to God and He does something incredible with it. As we finish today, I want to pray for you. I believe that as John comes to share and lists the things, I believe that some of you think, oh, that doesn't sound like much, that, or, or I couldn't, but I believe you can. I believe that's why you're here today. Father, I just thank you for every single person. God, I thank you that there is not a single person from front to back, side to side, that holds in their life something insignificant, not a thing. You have made them to empty out what you put on their life. I pray, Lord, that we'll be rid of the live full, die full mentality. And that we would, like you, Jesus, live a life that empties ourselves of everything that we were given here on earth to do. I ask it in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this life-transforming message. For service times, upcoming events, or to find out more about Inspire Church, log on to inspirechurch.com.au.